Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is going to be a treat for you, I can tell you. Kelly Harris-DeBerry from New Orleans. I'll just mention a few things from her many accomplishments. Well, she had a fellowship from the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown. Also went to Cave Canem, which is a, that's a really impressive credential. A lot of wonderful poets have gone through there. And uh, she's had poems published in many places, including... Global Journal of Hip Hop, and <laughs> and a poem in uh, in Say It Loud, poems for James Brown. Both of those little credits, I think, are very interesting. We <laughs> might have to talk about those. So she's in New Orleans, where she is poets and writers literary coordinator, and she contributed a podcast episode for uh, about Place Journal called Congo Square, sustaining the sacred post Katrina. She writes songs as well as poems. And now I'm going to stop talking. So I'm glad you're here, Kelly, because I, th- I think you're a real interesting person. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's good to be here, be here as in with you and also alive <laughs> these days. So yeah. thank you for having me and thank you for doing this, this work. Yeah, I'll just start with a thing that really popped out of me because I don't know too many people who wrote poems for James Brown. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, 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 I'm a big I, fan. I, I am a big fan, and I, I wish that I would have known you were going to ask me that because I would have pulled that poem. I don't have it. Here. Okay. I don't have it on my computer. Um, but yes, I uh, imagine James Brown looking down on uh, election night in 2008 with uh, Barack Obama. Oh my God! And so the whole poem is. Um, kind of imagining his voice and giving him um, pointers and advice as he goes uh, into being a president and the whole thing is to keep it funky, keep it soulful. Um, you know, and, never, and the last line of the poem is never let them know what your, what your other hand is going to do. And so, um, so that's, that's that. But I, I'm a big music fan. Music is a big influence on my poetry. And um, I, I do love James Brown. I have for a couple of years been figuring out if I can create a poetry form of the one. How can I write a poem on the one? Um, and so I'm still in process with that and thinking about that. But yes, James Brown is a huge, huge influence um, in my just 
in my life, I, I think. Um, I, I love the JBs. I think they're the best band that they're the best band that I think we've had. <laughs> um, I mean, we've had some very good bands, but as far as being able to play with him and and change on a dime and the funk mm-hmm. and soul um, and just what they've contributed to hip hop um, is yeah. really phenomenal. Well, this kind of plays into your poetry because you're a very uh, performance oriented poet, or at least you're very concerned with how you present the poem, let's say. Yes, yes. And- um and back to James Brown, you know, when I was in college at Leslie University, you know, I I came out of spoken word into an MFA program and I, I had trouble making the transition. At that particular time, the door wasn't wide open for spoken word artists coming into MFA programs the way that mm-hmm. it kind of shifted. Um, and I was kind of told I shouldn't write by ear, but that that's how I get to um, a lot of my work is by ear. And um, so I went away from that for a while because I was trying to be a good writer. And I thought a good writer were, was all of these other things that I was being told to do, the line, the syntax, the, all of those things. And so I would write these poems that were very technically sound, but they had no soul in them, if you will. <laughs> I got you. And, um, and so it was just really... Uh, there was an internal tension inside of me for a while, right? You know, in that time where I was in my MFA program and after. And New Orleans, um, I transitioned from Midwest to New Orleans. And so um, New Orleans helped me get my music back in many ways. And so I was able to re-embrace what had gotten me there in the first place, which was um, listening you know, and using my ear as another device within itself as a as a poet. And so um, I think being able to do the technical stuff and do the performance stuff and do the kind of sound experimental things that I like to do from time to time are all in my toolbox. They're all in my wheelhouse. And I can, it allows me to be able to be at the intersection of many things in the literary world. So one day I can be at a open mic with some slam poets and then another day I'm at the university being the poetry editor for uh the University of New Orleans's poetry journal so um it's very cool uh I like that I can dip and dabble in all the different corners of of poetry and so I feel very blessed to have to be uh, able to do that it just gives you more tools to create because mm-hmm. you, you know you want to create those different kinds of poems and different days, different topics, different moods. Sure. And you do and I it. want my work to live beyond me in different ways. So, you know, um, and and I feel that music and sometimes the visuals are different ramps that people can get on to access, not just me, but poetry. And it piques curiosity in different ways. Um, and I think whatever I do well is good for poetry in general, I think. Yeah. Um, as we get more people recording and we get um you know more popularity with uh, young people and i'm thinking of amanda gorman and all those types of things i think Mm -hmm. it's all good for poetry definitely well i love talking to you but let's hear a poem got to make sure the folks hear a few poems here sure uh let's see since we are inside of the george floyd trial oh yes that i would What's going on now, folks, as we record? Yeah, I I thought that I would read 
a poem called Disruptions. And um, yeah, I'll just read it and, and we can talk about it later if you want. Sure. Disruptions. I watched the news in unison with women rocking babies asleep, folding laundry in piles of days while Ferguson burns its garments. We seen soft uncertainties, work doubles, lift heavy men, use every muscle to smile. A woman talking like everybody's niece holds our demands on cardboard. Under street lights, police sirens flash across her black determination. I wonder if she knows me and us who weep behind duty and closed doors. We who cannot march without the consequence of empty refrigerators, payments, and feverish children want to die in the fields too, wear the crown of the people, brush troop down our daughters' backs. I want this midnight courage that cracks his voice at darkness, demands answers at the front lines, sends war cries over the hills of night, organizing tomorrow on clipboards. Dear sisters, I wish I were a lion tamer like you, but who will remember my simple revolution to stay home and mother? Mm. Um, and I wrote that after seeing all the people out in the streets marching and I had a young child and I didn't feel like I could go out and yeah. be in the streets with the people. And, um, and I kind of felt like I wasn't, helping or doing anything but there is something important about mothering and staying back to take care of the other needs of of people mm -hmm. and community and so that's that poem i mentioned that i was from the midwest and uh so let me well yeah where a poem from the midwest i was born and raised in cleveland ohio believe oh, it or not okay. And um, so here is a poem for my grandparents who migrated from the South. And um, so here we go. Migration, my family, my Cleveland. Left your land for a job, that same Southern job, the always job of surviving white folks. Working hard ain't never impressed them. Why a farmer like you go north? The land is hitched to steel and tight-lipped mornings. No elbow room for joy. No time to rock the earth asleep. Had a porch, a pool pit then. Stories sprouted from dirt and spirit. Here ain't by the riverside. Don't flow back to ancient gospels. God is a check here, a blue collar, a few days off. Remember those clockless days when soil called you to work? I reckon it's worth leaving the land if heaven is up, away from cotton, away from the wrong white people hoping to find the right ones. Maybe up there, clan fires fade in rear view, tree dangles the weight of snow. How'd you learn to live in the cold and rude and disrespect? They don't sip nothing sweet up here. 
List us with good, bad jobs and better than Mississippi hope. Brick by brick, stacking generations of heavy breathers of smoke, polite anger. I weep for all the times the Navy called you boy, all the middle fingers you should have raised, all the labor, half the paycheck, all the white flight that left big city rats eating the floorboards nailed from your knees, your blood in the wood, your blood in the wood have been. I live the same two-step blues of kinfolks made in the Delta, integrated with white children whose parents were the white people that niggered you. How many miles did you travel to be more than fractions of a dream? Grandpa, did you ever cross the Dixie again in your sleep? Did you ever bring America home? My poem's got a lot in it. You know, <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, always interesting when it covers the personal and the family and the big issues too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I'm reading, by the way, from um, my book, Freedom Knows My Name. That's right. I should have mentioned in the um, intro. Freedom no, that's knows okay. my name. That's okay. Um, and and the book is, I am really dealing with. We have, and particularly Black people, have been on this quest for freedom. Freedom, and it's been a collective um, journey to try to be free. But inside of that, um, we can't accomplish that freedom if we aren't individually clear on who we are if we are not um, um, strong enough to be able to make a con contribution to the movement or to whatever it is that we're doing. And so this is also about trying to find one's own individual freedom inside of the larger work of, of freedom that um, we know, and, and particularly looking at Black women and some of the sacrifices they made. It looks at motherhood, um, as I read in the poem Disruptions. Um, what does what does it look like to be both um, trying to create a world in your home or a world for your children and all of those things, and, and simultaneously be concerned with the national problems, the national um, issues and that balance, right? Because sometimes yeah. we can be so focused on the, the, the big work, right? That we sometimes um, leave behind the, the things within our own reach in our own communities, right? Kind of like when yeah. we talk about voting and we are always committed to the big ballot um, and who we're going to vote for president. And sometimes our turnout is not so good for you know, local elections and things yeah. like that. So um, I'll give you one more poem, if that's okay. Absolutely. And then- um, no, I've got a few things to ask you about. Sure. <laughs> um, what song shall we sing now? What song shall we sing now that now is all we have? We know the hum of sparrows and hushed harbors. This life has no shorthand. I write these poems knowing each word is not enough flowers for the dead or the living. I pull memories like apples from trees, taste the sweetness of yesterday, chew wisdom from elders kissing my cheek. 
I see children in front yards, smell Sunday dinners, echoes of tambourines still fill this temple, the glory of our everydayness turned cold. What songs shall we sing now? Sorrow pins itself to us like a corsage. We dance with memories and tender hope while the world is swollen with rage. What is the temperature on your tongue? What new versions of ourselves must we make to survive? What song shall we sing now over the dead and the days we can't breathe back? Can you preach yourself out of the blues? Can you preach yourself out of the blues? Can you preach yourself out of the blues without a church? We weary people been wading water and worry for lifetimes. This is not a depression poem. Pray for me, but this is not a depression poem. This is a psalm for Zion, for suffering, for people I could only touch in a square of newspaper, for the distance between mama and me, and for the dead that died alone, funerals on phones, students dying from hugs and recess, the poor with less and less, who's zooming, who who's driving by, waving through windows. I want to read your lips and know you're okay. This is for the sudden shock of you got it. And for the people who say, I'm not religious, but pray for me. This is a screen to our government rolling over our flesh and land. This is a warm prayer with no answers. What songs? Shall we sing now? I reach past the tears in my throat, searching for a song in this valley. Must be a sermon somewhere in a newborn. Must be joy coming in the morning. Even when we are mourning, we are alive. Even when we are mourning, we are alive. And this is the bread given to us. This day, O oh Lord. Give us this day. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, you make a very interesting use of repetition. Oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> I mean, you. I noticed it in, in some other things too. Since you are a person who can do poems and use your ear and that side of poetry, but you also went and did the MFA thing. Mm -hmm. If you're going to tell somebody what to do if they wanted to write a poem, write poems, what would you tell them to do? I would first tell them to read. <laughs> you, you have to be a reader, probably more than a writer, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and, um, and so if you're not committed to reading, um, it is very difficult to really um, grow as a writer, I think. Um, you know, your life experiences will take you you know, to different places in your work, but reading will open up, um, you know, your language and, and the important um, aspects of, of language and um, your vocabulary. And so you need all of those things to be a writer. And writing is a, being a writer for me is a lifestyle. And so you have to read, you know, you have to read, you know, you have to write. Everything that you write is not for, publishing, you know, but it is a part of the muscle that you have mm -hmm. to have 
as a writer. And so I'm always reading, you know, even when I'm not writing and um, I'm reading all sorts of things from the news to um, books on um, sewing and craft and, um, and music. I'm looking at my music bookshelf as I sit here and um, I'm <laughs> looking at the James Brown book and next to that is the Aretha Franklin book and um, next to that is a, a book about Otis Redding and the next to that is a book uh, about New Orleans music. And so I try to read, a, read as much as I can because I never know how it will help me in the future, you know? And so um, the more that you read, the more you have, you, you can tap and you can have access to and, and build your toolbox. So reading is very important and you have to pay it forward. If you want people to read you, you should also read other people. There you go. Yeah, it's almost like it's no secret. Yeah. Just about everybody says something yeah. similar to what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And if yeah. you really want to write poetry, you have to just be determined because mm -hmm. we kind of know what you have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I'm not going to say you're going to become famous, but you'll be able to write poems anyway that'll probably yeah, you, please you yourself. This, yeah. You can't get into <laughs> this good. to be famous or to no. get more followers on Instagram or to, you know, win prizes. Yeah. You have to do this from a, um, it has to be almost a sacred practice for you. Here's something you told me before we started recording, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, tell the folks about this upcoming gig you have at Melba's. Because this yep. is the kind of thing people should know about because somebody else could do it somewhere else if they yes. want to. So you know? the folks over at Melba's on Elysian Fields um, is it's this cool po'boy place in New Orleans. And um, what they're doing and what they have been doing for some time now is inviting writers in the thick of the restaurant, if you will, and so um, while people are making po'boys and ordering food, you can hear a writer um, talking about their work and you can get a book. And if you purchase so much food, uh, then you get a free book from that writer. And so um, the owner is, is committed to having a business that she's, she's a, she has the business, but she also loves books. And so she found a way to kind of marry those two things together. And so I'll be there this Friday. I will be signing books and reading some poems while people are eating shrimp po'boys and so forth. <laughs> and so it's a very cool idea. And so um, it is, New Orleans is that kind of place. Yeah, highly creative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Super. Well, I think we, we've got time for you to do one more poem. So let's hear another poem before we go. Okay, let's see. Your choice. Here. Um... While Kelly's looking for the poem, let me remind you what I said, something I said earlier. There's a very interesting nine-minute video at kellyhd.com which is called Black Love. And it's about resilience and response post-Katrina. And it's, I would say, surprisingly well done because you're not a well-known filmmaker. It's really I'm good. Not. It's I'm really not. good. It's really good. <laughs> Most of the footage from there is um, uh, from my own personal collection um, in New Orleans and some stuff from friends. 
that video was produced as a presentation for the 80th anniversary, I believe, of Their Eyes Were Watching God. It was a national conference at the University of Kentucky on Zora Neale Hurston. And my presentation was that Black love is a sustaining force and that it was the love of the people in New Orleans that sustained us. Sure, we had support and donations from different people, but it was the love, um, the love, the, the ancient love, the you know, community love that sustained the people of New Orleans. And so um, kind of a homage to Zora Neale Hurston and her love for the ordinary common kinfolk of, you know, uh, black folks, black yeah. people. So we were talking about music. So I thought I would end with a poem for Aretha Franklin since I'm looking at the book and since there's this new documentary or, or I shouldn't say documentary film on her on National Geographic called mm. Aretha Genius. There's been some uh, controversy about it because the family didn't endorse it, but it's an interesting film that goes through and chronicles her, her life. And um, so I thought I'd end with how to die like a diva. Oh for Aretha Franklin. To be eternal, you gotta be extra. Gotta stretch death out around the corner. Feed the people your life. Let it linger around their lips. You want them talking, remembering your voice touching their skin, forever framed on living room mantles, bootleg t-shirts, every version of you worn by the neighborhood. Riri, respect pouring, liquor on life. You ain't nobody if the city don't cry. Preach your name. Oh, you gotta invite God. Parade scriptures. Dip back into old waters that cleanse sinners on Sunday mornings. You must be church, a steeple of a woman. Anthem in flesh, a big old solo at the world's altar, demanding ovation. No one can stop watching black ritual grief go on and on and on and on and really long, out of order, over time, CP time with no apologies. Going up yonder must be sacred spectacle mega traditions, hats and offerings, ushers catching fainters, salvation moaning, hallelujahs, holy ghosts, holy singer, come sit at this gold table you prepared. Show them how to love the Lord and luxury, flaunt death in their faces, the living, precious Lord, let her pose for the angels at the pearly gates. You know Aretha's gonna ask, how do I look? <laughs> Lovely. Thanks so much, Thank Kelly. It's been really Thank great you. to talk to you. So glad Thank we could you. do this. All Thank right. You. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Charlie Rossiter. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here with our feature from New Orleans, Kelly Harris DeBerry. And I hope you'll be with us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. 
Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. 